Hello, everyone. This is Nicholas Peter Ugero, and today I have the pleasure and honor of having Brock West on my channel today. Thank you so much for coming on. It really means a lot. Thanks for having me, Nick. It's a pleasure to be here, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so if you just want to, for people that are unfortunate enough to not know who you are, I know you're more behind the scenes, but if you want to give an introduction of yourself and your work, how you became the video editor of The Corporate Report, The Last American Vagabond, and any other places? Uh, sure. Well, um, the best place to start, I guess, is like how I got into the information, like this kind of information, this kind of work, way, way, way back. And like everyone else, that was the day that changed everything, right? 9-11. Um, I was about... My, my, 9-11, I was 16, 15 or 16. Um, and like like everywhere around the world, we were all there watching, glued to our screens pretty much as soon as it was happening. It was on every channel here in Australia. Anyway, not long after the not long after the first the first plane hit the first tower, um, on Australian TV, the news the news anchor, I would say 10, 15 minutes after the first plane hit the tower, they said, um, we believe that there are ties to Al Qaeda and Osama bin Laden, and I and just in my humble, naive sixteen-year-old, I thought, hmm, you know, that's really quick. How quickly they kind of knew that and and, and all this stuff, and it, that was my first little hmm moment in life. You know what I mean? I just sort of like, oh, that's 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 odd. Didn't think much more of it after that. Went back to my jobby job and everything. Um, and the next sort of big moment was in two thousand three with the Iraq war protests, hundreds of millions of people all around the world with the same global unified message, stop this war, this war cannot happen. And it still happened and it still went ahead. And we know sad, the unfortunate tale of that now, still ongoing. And it was that, for, that, that for me was the glass shattering moment where I realized, ah, oh, governments no longer serve the people in, you know, in, in any really meaningful way. And once you break that paradigm, then, um, you know, you, you wake up and you start. I started doing research and mostly watching documentaries, of course, like most people back in those days. You know, this is sort of 2003 to 2007-ish, 2008, in that period, you know, Endgame and Freedom to Fascism, uh, even Zeitgeist. I, I did watch Zeitgeist back in the day like we all did. And that just, you know, gets you down the rabbit hole and you begin waking up and learning things and gaining a better understanding of how things actually work in the actual real world and not the, not the propagandised uh, cave wall paintings that we are subjected to normally. And along with that, I started also listening to podcasts. And back then, the biggest podcast in the world was The Alex Jones Show on Infowars.com. And I used to listen to the as much of the four-hour live stream, the daily live stream that he used to do. And I, I don't know if he still does it. And eventually, after a little while, this uh, Canadian, well-spoken young Canadian man comes on for an interview by the name of James Corbett. And I can't even remember what they were talking about, but I just, as soon as I heard the interview, I was like, oh, that, that guy's pretty cool. Like, I like his delivery. Anyway. You know, he said, I'm James Corbett from callreport.com. Went over to his website, checked it out. Saw that by then, I think this, this must have been 2008, 2009. I think 2009. And, yeah, I was instantly became a fan of his work and became a fan of, and, and a supporter of, of, of the Corbett Report. Um, and just, you know, 
took in the information and uh, didn't think much of it then. But I just thought James is, you know, really a really, you know, someone who had a really good way of articulating things in a calm, measured manner with fully backed up sources and documents and everything like that. Fast forward to about 2011, 20, uh, 2011. By then, um, Corbett was doing Corbett Report Radio on Republic Broadcasting. And I have happened to come across this story of a, a, a new American military base being put off the west coast of Australia that no one was talking about, really. And, you know, it was a pretty big deal back in those days. Um, so I called in live to James's live broadcast, Corbett Report Radio. And we talked about it and talked about the story and, you know, nice 15-minute conversation about drones and the Asia-Pacific region in general. After the conversation, he uh, emails me and, say, and says, hey, you know, you might have a knack for, you know, sourcing, sourcing stories like this. Have you ever considered starting your own website or blog? I said no, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> um, and at that time, I felt personally there was a bit of a – there was a – there was a gap in reporting about the Asia Pacific region. So in 20, early 2012, I started the Asia Pacific Perspective blog, APPerspective.net, it used to be called, where I would just collate uh, important news stories from around the world about the Asia Pacific region. And um, we're still seeing some of these, uh, these same storylines go on now with the uh, disputed islands in the, uh, in this, in the uh, disputed seas, the Senkaku Islands. Um, and all that stuff, which is just constantly, constantly bubbling up. Uh, once I started the blog, then Corbett invited me on to the first, my first live appearance on the Corbett Report, which was uh, also Corbett Report Radio, um, where we talked about the blog and a few and and a few topics going on in uh, in Asia in, in the Asia Pacific region. And then he emailed me and said, "Oh, we should start a." Week, a monthly, weekly, bi-weekly show called APP, um, which we did. And that went for a few years uh, together. Um, it's very much in the same vein of the wildly popular New World Next Week that they do, that he does with James Evan Plato, which I know everyone knows, of course. And then in about, I would say, uh, sorry, sorry, let me backtrack a little bit. Um, I had previously also travelled to Japan for, for the first time in 2012. And that's the first time I met James. The funny, the funny story, actually. Um, in, in 2011, I moved from my hometown and I went on a, I went on a van trip. I decked out a van and I went, my, my plan was to go all around Australia in this van and live out of a van and, you know, live that kind of life for a few months or a year or however long, it, you know, indefinitely. I ended up not liking van life after about three months and... Um, Luckily, I had a very a very good friend um, who uh, had a had a spare room, and he took me in. So I moved to a moved to this new town. Lucky enough to find a half decent job there. I hated the job, but it was all right. It was half decent paying. And every year, I would save my money for one reason, one reason only, and that was to go to Japan. Um, I'd always been fascinated with Japan, the culture, the history, you know, the, everything, the food, the people, um, geography. It's a Absolutely wonderful country. And on my van trip, I ended up staying at um, one of these sort of, you know, laugh at this, they're called woofing farms, willing workers on organic farms, they're called. And basically, 
you can go st- you can go and stay at someone's place for, and all your board and all your food is covered if you do some bit of farm work. You know, I was happy to do that. I stayed at this one place and there was a there was a Japanese uh, there was a Japanese woman there, and her name was Yuki. And of course, we started just talking about Japan and everything, blah blah blah. And she was telling me about her life and vice versa. And she said, "Oh, if you're ever in Japan." Um, you know, please come and stay with my family. Uh, you know, we'd love to take you in for whatever, you know, however long. I'm like, oh, thanks. I'll, I'll think about it, sure. Next year I was in Japan and just before I left, I emailed James and I said, hey, buddy, you know, um, coming to Japan for the first time, um, would love to meet you if, if possible, you know. And it just so happens that James lives in the same city in Western Japan that my friend, my Japanese friend's family lives. So... That was a great little synchronicity there. And, um, yeah, so we met that time, went back to Australia. I was still working full-time and then working all the other hours on the blog. Um, Went back in 2013. And it was in 2013 where James and I first, uh, we sat down and recorded the Make Your Own Media podcast, um, which I – you know, this is basically an extension of that podcast now. You know, this is, as you can see, back then I wasn't the, I wasn't yet the full-time video editor uh, for Corporate Report. Um, but I would recommend everyone go back and watch that podcast now because um, this is what it's about, you know, making your own media like you're doing right now, Nick, you know. Um, and then, so, yes, yeah, so 2013, we recorded the podcast, met up again, had a great time, as we always do in Japan. Um, go back to Australia, work very hard, save all my money. Go back again in 2014. <laughs> and it was in 2014 that James, uh, we met up again. He took me out for lunch, sat me down and said, uh, would you like to come on board as a part-time video editor for the Corporate Report? Now, you have to remember, at that time, I was, I'm was i still driving trucks or working for a plumbing supply company that I used to work for, you know. Um, I'd never done any video editing before. The only experience I had was with the blog, but that's not really video editing or anything like that. You know, that's just blogging. And I said, James, I'm flattered, but I don't have any experience. And he goes, well, neither did I when I started. And, you know, okay. So I said yes. Um, went back to Australia. Um, James James paid for me to do uh, a couple of days of, like, basically Adobe Premiere uh, video editing crash courses, which I did. Um, learned as much as I could, but wasn't really a lot. And then, yeah, James slowly but surely started sort of giving me smaller jobs to do, then bigger jobs to do and bigger jobs to do. And then by 2015, in the middle of 2015, um, he asked if I wanted to come on full time. And I, of course, jumped at the chance. Um, I, I, I quickly found out doing video editing that I love it. You know, I'm one of those weird people who likes the slow, tedious process of video editing because I really enjoy the final creation. Um, but that's sort of it in a nutshell, yeah. And I've been working, I've been working for Corbett pretty much full time ever since, since 2015. Um, and it's my, you know, living and working my dream job. Yeah, that's it. That's excellent. I yeah. can't believe that you come to go to visit Japan and he ends up being in the same town. That's so weird. Yeah. Very yeah. small world for that's that. Bit, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so how did you get into uh, the last American Vagabond? Was that? Uh, an outreach on your part or was it where Ryan said, I know he's doing a great job over here. I'm going to reach out to him. That's exactly, that's exactly how it happened. I've only just, uh, I've only just come on board with, uh, with Ryan and the gang at T-Lav. Um, I think I've been there about a month and a half now. And oh. 
Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, and my main my main job at the moment, anyway, uh, with with that is just basically, as you know, Ryan does long form uh, live streams anywhere from an hour, hour and a half to four and a half hours. Yep. Um, not not everyone has the time in the day to watch all that. Yeah. Um, so so uh, we're selecting we're selecting important clips um, from uh, from each week and and then uploading them. Um, but yeah, it's great, honestly. Uh, to be working for a the Corbett Report and the Last American Vagabond, I honestly consider those two outlets the tip of the spear in terms of actual, genuine, independent uh, journalism and media. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. Just seeing uh, the like the the amount of links and the amount of sources that each both of them have, and even Ryan, when I had him on my channel as well, he was saying how James Corbett was a huge inspiration for him in terms of like just listing all that stuff, and especially yeah. James with the 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 transcripts and all that yeah. stuff. It just makes it so much easier. And then, yeah, I, I did see that. I, I didn't realize you just started on T lab, but yeah. I, I have seen those extra clips and I was, and he did mention that you were on there as so I was watching some yeah. of them and it's just, yeah, it's just, it makes it so much better because you get the photos, you get the little, the lines that he's talking about. It just gives a nice visual. And I, and, and because I'm, I'm, I've been video editing for a bit. I've been doing Camtasia, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm picking up on what you're doing, like a little, yeah. the slow pans and then just add like a little bit of blurring when you add in the stuff. And so I'm like, okay. And I can see how it takes so much time for sure. Yeah. Like getting, <laughs> getting the lint, getting the clips or the, the photos and just downloading them and then putting them into the software. And there's so much to it. So I've, I've, I've definitely know how that is. So it's, it's really impressive to see that. So, um, you basically answered the second one or, or uh, partly. So what got you into video editing in the first place? It was just because of. James Corbin and him just promoting or telling you that he thinks that you can do it or do you, th or did you have like any sort of inclination or any sort of like creative spark as a kid or. Um, I've, I've played in bands pretty much since I was about 12 or 13 years old. So I was creative in that way. Um, so I was audio creative, not really visual. Um, in fact, I mean, this is, this is one thing James, James teases me for all the time. I'm a sort, you know, I do <laughs> video editing is my job and I live and breathe it. But I'm actually not really a huge movie guy. <laughs> I'm more of a I'm more of a video gamer, or I like to watch you know certain sports or whatever. Um, I'm not a huge movie guy, you know what I mean. However, I do watch what I do watch. I do you know I watch with different eyes now. Um, it was really I don't know. Like like a lot of people, I uh, was in a in a rut in a job I hated, had to pay bills, and didn't really have the time to think about any, anything, you know, of course I used to think a lot about what I wanted to do, but I just couldn't, couldn't figure out what it was. I tried many different things and I don't know, I guess James just giving me that opportunity and giving me that push. It just, it just, I, it, it's, it clicked for me. And I just, you know, as a, the old cliche says, if you find a job you love, you, you don't really work a day in your life. Now <laughs> saying that <laughs> working for uh, James Corbett and Ryan, Ryan Christian, it's, you do work. <laughs> it's work. Um, but I still, I still love every minute of it, man. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I guess I was happy to be I, I just lucky enough to be pushed into it. And I, it turns out I really like it and I seem to have a little bit of a knack for it. I don't know. And, and then especially having someone that you're, uh, you have admiration for, and then that being also the catalyst and him saying, I think you can do it or just you can. And I didn't do it after I didn't know how to do it at first. So it's like, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a very, 
for me, that'd be a very good motivator for sure. And it's like, just like me having people that I admire on my, on my channel, it just inspires yeah. me to just keep going and yeah. to just keep trying to improve or, uh, change my, the way I talk or my, the way I present things. Yeah, sure. So I mean, everything there's, um, you know, I'm, uh, there's no real secret to it. It's just doing it. <laughs> that's, that's really it. Yeah, because my brother was able to get me uh, Camtasia for free. It was like an older version of it. And uh, I unfortunately changed the operating system, so I don't have it anymore. But uh, I, I did Mark Passio's uh, first podcast, and I visualized the whole thing. So it, it was only – it's an hour and 53-minute uh, podcast. But, yeah, it took me like two weeks to do that. So it was – and so I definitely – as I was going through it, I could see how my skills improved just from the beginning to the end. Like I was figuring out things, and I was doing it quicker and easier – that's right. And just, yeah, just, it, it, well, it is time consuming. It's a lot to it. So, um, so one of the questions I was going to ask was what software do you use and what software would you recommend for, for beginners or, and or pros? So when we first uh, started, when I first started with Corbett, uh, we were at that time still, still using Final Cut Pro 10, Final Cut 10, which is great. Um, I don't even know if it's still around that much anymore, if it's still updated or anything. Um, it's a, it, that was a good basic entry-level software. Um, doesn't have a huge amount of bells and whistles or anything like that, but it's, it was a stable, good good running software, which you could get your head around pretty quickly as a beginner. Um, once we started, once uh, my first big documentary that I worked on for Corbett was um, How Big How Big All Conquer the World. And I think just before that, we uh, we decided to go to switch to Adobe, Adobe Premiere. Look, yeah, I mean, there are, they're expensive. Um, their tech support's very average when you need it. Um, I'm, I'm currently on a new update of it, and it seems to be stable for now, but they always seem to do something that makes it unstable a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to – those are the only two software that I've ever used, so it's hard for me to recommend other ones. I've heard DaVinci is promising and good, um, and there's a, there is a, there is an open, open source one, but the name escapes me right now. Um, but yeah, um, I, I guess the good thing about, about all of these software is, all these editing software and programs is there's free tutorials on, on the basics and on advanced and intermediate stuff all over the web as well, you know? So basically if, if you decide to go whichever path you can, you can, you can get up to speed pretty quickly and learn and learn the differences between each programs. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, because because I don't I have never used either of those. I've only used Camtasia. And I I used Filmora, uh, Demo Creator, mm -hmm. and uh, with Camtasia I had yeah the free version or the the full one, but it was an older version. And yeah. for me as a beginner, it was it was actually pretty good. I yeah. I feel like it was the the UI was good. It was pretty simple. Yeah. It didn't seem too complicated. Adding images and all that stuff, doing the zooming and panning and stuff. It didn't seem too hard. Transitions were easy. Yep. All that stuff was pretty simple. So, for people that are beginning, I, I know Camtasia is like two fifty. So, I'm not sure how much is Adobe. Do you do uh, offhand? Um, it's a yearly subscription. Oh, yeah. So you can't even buy a full out, full on. Uh, uh, not anymore. Welcome, welcome to the wonderful world of Adobe, mate. Ah <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, it's a full. It's a subscription, and you download from the cloud. Blah blah blah. Um, uh, it's. Uh, it escapes. It escapes me right now. It's. Uh, Upwards of near a thousand, a thousand dollars per year, US. Holy hell! Yeah. Okay. 
I mean, the reason the reason also is because with that you obviously get you get Photoshop and you get Illustrator. And for me, when I'm creating um, when I'm creating some of the more intricate visuals for the doc, you know for documentaries and, and for the more and the um, visual only podcasts, I do sometimes create those in After Effects as well. Um, okay. But I'm, but I'm still an absolute rank amateur and novice when it comes to After Effects, you know. So I'm still really learning my way around that program. In, in fact, when I when I did those two crash courses, um, the te- the teachers, I said, I put my hand up and I said, oh, you know, how long, honestly, to really get your head around After Effects, you know? And he's like, oh, I know some guys who've been at it every day for 10 years and they're still haven't got their head around it, so a long time. <laughs> okay, well, that's... Uh... I guess I mean your life's a learning experience the entire time, so I guess because it makes sense that. Yeah. Still, but that's kind of surprising they haven't even gotten their head around it after ten yeah. years. That's a, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I haven't used basically anything really. Like for my thumbnails, I use uh, Filmora. What is it? Yeah. Filmora. Thumb- I forgot what it's called, but yeah, just easily do this little split screen. Just add the stuff and put the text so it's pretty simple but yeah, yeah i'm sure like I, I would like to do the more sophisticated ones because i know people make that make some phenomenal thumbnails so yeah, yeah. i mean even for me uh, personally i think my thumbnails aren't, aren't my, my greatest strength but uh, i do my best yeah i think they're good for sure <laughs> i like them um so uh what are some tips and tricks you would recommend for people uh just starting out or looking to get into video editing is there anything that you think that would um that are like around the edges of video editing that they could start or something that would help them get into it or I mean basic basic photography and 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 filming um and and getting yourself a cheap or even free like like you did um free little program and just yeah like I said just I mean if you're totally lost there, there will be a tutorial online the library of Alexandria's corporate corporate calls it um there will be a tutorial online somewhere very easy to find, you know, beginner tips for blah, 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 you know, and away, and away you go and you, you just follow it. I still, I still do that. I do that a couple of times a week. If I'm trying to figure out something or yada, yada, yada. Okay. I'll go and see if there's a tutorial for it. Yep. Oh, yep. Sweet. There it is. You know, and then, then you learn. And, um, the main thing obviously with video editing, like anything, like a guitar, like if you're learning to play a new sport or anything, just, Practice, repetition, learning, learn by doing. Learn by doing is the best advice I can give. Um, you know, I can't can't give any really specific editing advice because what you're editing is going to be completely different to what I'm editing. Blah blah blah. But I mean, everything's right there at your fingertips on the World Wide Web still for now at least. Um, so that's that's what I would do. Learn by doing, repetition, um, and trying to. Trying to fall in love with it, I guess, because you can get bogged down and you can make a mess of things, and you can be—it's very frustrating sometimes. Um, that's for sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And to go off that point, uh, are there any sort of organizational tips or anything that you personally do in your own in your own work that you that, that helps you stay motivated and not get burnt out? <sighs> Burnout. Um, and. I get burnt out, but it's a good it's a good kind of burnt out if that makes sense because because of the because of the motivations that we that I have and that I know James has, um, and our motivations are to get the information out there, 
to get this important information out there and to make it to as many people as we possibly can while we can. Um, that's my motivation for video editing and for what I do personally. Um, and I know it's pretty much the, that's almost universal across the alternative media, you know. Um, in terms of workflow, um, I don't know. I mean, for every for every project I make, it's very very simple, streamlined process. I have an audio folder, I have a footage folder, I have an images folder, and I have a projects file folder. Every single time, the same way. It's very easy to get messy and put things where they shouldn't be, but if you can slow down and actually put things in the correct things, you are going to save your time. You're going to save time in the long run. You're not going to be double clicking and clicking everywhere looking for a file that you know you put somewhere you can't find. Um, just keeping things streamlined and simple like that is a good thing. Of course, there's other there's then there's you actually get into the into the, the, the software itself, and there's many different ways. You know, you, you can lay out your screens and everything in your particular way, in your particular style to suit your kind of workflow. You know, um, but that's that's really a personal individual choice. But just yeah, I mean, keep things as simple as you can. Um, create individual subfolders if you need to. I have sub subfolders sometimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen what I mean. I, I kind of consider myself not bad at sort of organising these things. You should see Corbett Manny has an impeccably organised archive and uh, storage system that that works for him. You know, so um, that 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 would be my advice. Yeah, it's very good, especially with yeah. the the folders and having that. Because I've definitely had it where I was searching around for certain things. Where's this image? Yeah. I thought I I thought I named it a certain way so I can find it. Oh, yeah. oh it's over that's here. A, okay, that's actually that's actually another thing that uh, I need to improve on personally is also name name your files in a way that you will rem that you can remember them easily. <laughs> yeah, and especially if you're doing it like all the time, you have a lot yeah. of projects. So yeah, trying oh. to find those and edit them yeah. up or do whatever you got to do. Yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Thank you for those tips because that's very good advice. Um, so I'd definitely like to get into your your story because I know you, you were in Australia and now sure. you're living in Vietnam. If you care to flesh out that story and what really inspired you and motivated you to to leave. Um, a lot of things, um, good and bad. Uh I've always wanted to try to live in another country for a while, even if it was for six months. I've always wanted to, to do that, to have that experience in my life. And, I mean, just once again, when I say I feel like I'm, it's a one in a million that I had this job, that, that I got this opportunity to work, uh, to do these, to become a video editor, um, I can literally work anywhere in the world. All I need is my computer and an internet connection, and away I go. Um, so... Of course, as you, as you might suspect, I did try to get into Japan to live, to live and work. Unfortunately, uh, due to my lack of college degree, you must have a college degree even though, even though it's completely irrelevant to what, what you were doing. Just, <laughs> you know, you, I mean, Corbett's a perfect example. He has, a, he has a degree in Irish literature or something like that. And, you know, and now he's a journalist, independent journalist living in Japan. You have to have the college degree or some kind of degree to get sponsored to live and work in Japan. Um, I didn't have that, so unfortunately that door was closed for me. Um, and then I had a, I had a friend, a very good friend of mine, who was actually living living in Vietnam, and um, they had been here for about five years. And they said, oh, well, you know, if Japan's a no-go for you, why don't you come to Vietnam and check it out? So I did. 
in uh, my first trip was in 2017. Um, and I came to the, the, the little, little small city I'm at now. Absolutely loved it. Fell in love with it. And I was like, oh, this place is pretty good. Maybe this could be, this could be something here, you know. Um, I was here for three weeks initially. And then I went, to, I went to a place in the middle of Vietnam called Hoi An. It's a very, very popular tourist, tourist destination. Um, if, if you like tourist places, it's pretty cool, but it's not personally for me. Um, but I thought I'd go there to check it out anyway for the first time. And I ended up getting violently food poisoned, <laughs> really badly food poisoned. Ended up going to the hospital for, for two days or whatever. And it was during that time of like, I'm never, I'm never coming back to Vietnam again because it, it was really horrific food poisoning, man, I've got to tell you. Anyway, so I leave Vietnam, go back to Australia. I say to my parents uh, when, I come, when I went back to my hometown, like, I'm never going to Vietnam, man. Like, it's a nice city, but if I'm going to get that sick from eating the food there, bro, I'm not, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I don't, know what, I don't know what happened. I changed my mind about six months later and just went, yep, I'm moving to Vietnam. <laughs> just, a, just a random, I don't know, just a spur of the moment thing. Um, I, was, I, was living, I was living back in my hometown at the time. I'd already lived there 27 years of my life. I kind of felt I was stagnating a bit in my own personal growth, my own personal journey. I had this great job and that I loved and um, that I, that's important that I was doing, you know, having a, all, those, all those things. But... Um, yeah, so well, you know, that, that little town that I was there for, for the first three weeks was really good. So um, I, uh, I moved here uh, in March of 2018, and I, and I, haven't, I haven't left since. I'm uh, now, now very happily married and have a beautiful little, little boy. Um, and there's a, great little, uh, there's a great community of expats here from all around the world, um, offshore, offshore oil rig workers and English teachers and me, the kind of outlier doing weird, doing crazy, crazy videos online, you know, um, as, as most of them say. But um, no, they're all good. It's a really good little community here. And um, the cost of living here is really great um, compared to Australia anyway. Um, so that's a, that's a big plus. I, I of course, miss my, um, my family and my friends back home. And we would have gone back to visit many times already if it wasn't for this friggin' COVID world order that we're currently uh, sort of getting steeped in more and more every day. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, feel, I feel lucky I got out of Australia when I did, to be honest. Um, Australia seems, you know, they, went, they, they seem to have gone the, the hardest out of almost anywhere in the world in terms of their lockdown measures compared to the amount of, the amount of actual cases in the, uh, in the population. You know, it, was, it was pretty low, to be, really low, to be honest. Vietnam's even lower, amazingly. Um, but uh, yeah, it's unfortunate I can't get back to see them yet. But hopefully, there'll be a way. But right now, I'm not so sure. Yeah, it's it's really crazy out there, uh, yeah. especially Australia. And I, I didn't realize that you moved from Australia that long ago. I thought it was just like a recent thing, like maybe yeah. within the last year or so, because I didn't realize that that had happened. Good for you, though. I'm glad that you are not there. Uh, it's yeah. definitely really alarming what's going on there. Um, so yeah, so what are your thoughts if you want to care to flesh it out more about, uh, Australia and what your thoughts are on that? Maybe if any, if there's any like stories or something like that, your family's happened to go through or anything, have they been a target of anything or, or like, or is your family aware of what's going on or are they more on the opposite end of the spectrum of your mindset? Um, I mean, it's, I haven't, I haven't been there physically for three years. It's hard to say. 
Um, I mean, we, we talk, obviously, but they're, more, they're honestly more interested in seeing little uh, videos of their grandchild you know, um, than talking about the intricacies of the, the, the vaccine rollout or whatever or of the coronavirus um, or, or of anything, of vaccine passports or all this crap that we're dealing with. Um, I think they understand. I know, I know they're proud of what I do. Um, they don't fully understand everything, I guess. Uh, they're, just, they're just from that generation. Um, I do try to tell them, you know, guys, guys, please, please turn off the morning TV. You know, like we, we had the same thing in Australia, like in all, in all Western democracies or <laughs> under the Commonwealth, we have the, you know, the good morning Australia and today and all this, all that absolute garbage propaganda that is just beamed out 24 seven, you know, and it's, um, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I, um, before I was mentioning mentioning that I watch I watch a few sports. I watch the uh, Australian Rugby League, the national national NRL, it's called, and we get the Australian streams here in Vietnam. And for the first time in a long time, I was actually seeing the Australian commercials, what, what they've become. You know what I mean? Australian advertisements, and it's I mean it's horrific to me. It's so the propaganda is so full on and so crazy, even more so than when I left. You know, I sort of sort of saw the writings on the wall a fair bit, but, man, it's, I don't know, it's, it's I, I don't know what it's like to be there, but I guess, I guess like most people, it sort of just washes over them and they go about their daily lives and everything, but um, I think they understand. <laughs> you know, all I, all, all I ever say to them is, you know, guys, please, please watch my videos, and they do, you know, if you want, if you want to know about this topic, you know, or, or, or watch this guy or, or listen to Media Monarchy or blah, blah, any of the things, you know, and, as I say, you can take you lead a horse to water. But. Yeah, it's very good. So, so what are their thoughts on your videos? Like, because obviously they know that you're the one that edited them and all that stuff. What do they What do they have to say? Oh, they think it's they think it's amazing. They said, like, did you really did you really create the visuals and do all this stuff? I'm like, yeah. yeah. So yeah, and and even from some some of my friends that it's like, dude, it's you know like pretty cool stuff. Even whether they disagree with the content or not. Um, most of them, most of them are on board, to be honest, but just not as, not as they're sort of dipping their toes from normie land into, uh, into where, into where us, us crazy conspiracy theorists live, apparently. That's, um, but yeah, I mean, they just, at, at the very least, they, they see how much passion and work and time and effort I put into everything I do, um, video editing wise. And they, they think that's really cool. Yeah, that's excellent. That's that's awesome that you're getting some encouragement from them, even if even if they potentially don't agree with the the content itself. The fact yeah. that they just still pat you on the back and say that's excellent, and keep yeah. doing it. It's great. But honestly, but honestly, you know, like uh, what 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 I get more satisfaction out of is hearing from people like you and for hearing from people from complete strangers all around the world. And um, I do I do get emails and I do get little messages on Twitter or whatever, you know, just saying, hey man, keep up the good work. Really appreciate your video editing. Um, that to get that from complete strangers and to hear how much that's impacted the the information that we're that Corbett and, and Ryan and 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 Media Monarchy and Whitney and all, and everyone out there is putting out and how, how much of an impact it's happening it's having and to be to play my small part in that that's that's the motivation and that's that's what I get most uh, personal satisfaction from. Yeah, indeed, I hundred percent agree with that. That's it's excellent. Like even me, like even with my little rinky dink channel and and stuff, just getting people that comment and say, "Wow, this was really inspiring. Thank you for this. It really helped me yeah. out." It's you have a lot of courage for talking about some of your personal stuff, and 
Mm. And yeah, it's just, it's really just fulfilling for me. And it's, it's yeah. awesome. It's a, definitely a good motivator and to help me keep going. And, and especially yeah. getting, getting people that I admire that I find inspiration from, hopefully that helps out other people as well. And just, I, I mean, and I try to find interviews that they've previously done so I can throw out some, some new yeah. questions and stuff sure. along those lines. So it's, it's excellent. And to, I, I know you mentioned at, in Vietnam, you had some like, there's like expatriates there and a, a big wide group of people. How, how is the, how are the, how are the, how's the narrative been in Vietnam? How have the people really been reacting to it in your neck of the woods there? And, and have you tried to do any sort of community building of any sort? Cause I know that they have the greater reset org where they John Bush and Derek Bros are just going at going at it with all these speakers and I still have yeah. yet to really fully delve delve deep into that but I know that that's one of the solutions if not the solution along with trying to be as moral as possible I try to follow the whole natural law thing with no stealing and no murder assault rape theft trespassing coercion lying just don't steal in general just try to stand in principle stand in truth and the universe will kind of protect you in that way. So I think those kind of things mesh together, having that community of like-minded moral people is definitely the solution. So have you had any success or attempted to do any sort of community building? Given I mostly, it, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy living here because I, I mostly, uh, at least my circle of friends uh, are either former uh, are veterans or, or um, oil and gas workers um or, or managers and things like that you know so so you really get a kind of crazy perspective from, from that um i'm pleasantly surprised to see ever since the the covid happened um more more percentage of my friends and, and people i associate with here more i sort of understand that like man this what bill gates is doing what why what like what mRNA vaccines, why do I have to take that for this virus that has a 99.97%? You know, so they do understand it. Of, of, of course, you get your normie MPs, NPCs that are just blinders on. <laughs> I, I was telling, telling Pilato the other day that um, just having having breakfast or whatever at a re restaurant, one of the guys, he's not really a friend, but he's sort of an associate, sort of say hi to him every now and then, but he's sat down next to me and said, oh, have you, reg have you registered for the new vaccine? Registered? For, what do you mean registered? He goes, oh, foreigners have to register to get the vaccine. If you don't register, you'll miss out. And then if you miss out, you might not get, uh, they, you know, you might not get your next visa or, or whatever. I'm just like, and it's just like, oh, my God, man. <laughs> and I just, you know, I, I actually kind of I said, I said to him, I'd rather shove broken glass up my backside than uh, register for your, for your vaccine, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, it's um, it's a. I would say the mix is generally sort of sort of similar to the rest of the world. Maybe I don't know. It's hard to say. We, I mean, Vietnam's had such a different experience to to what you guys have had in the states and to what Australia had. We only really, I mean, only only had seven or eight days of sort of lockdown mandates, but they weren't really enforced or anything. You had to wear masks for ten days, but then that's it. You know, the rest of the time it's been pretty pretty business as usual apart from no international travel which is you know still absolutely sucks and it's not not acceptable and we shouldn't be we shouldn't be taking it but here we are um yeah but i've been i've got to say i've been pleasantly surprised I, i've had a couple of people come up to me and say hey man you're brock from Corbin report keep up the good work man like the information's awesome you know like you guys are having an impact keep, keep up the good work you know so and 
that that very rarely ever happened before. So the message the message is getting there. I hope. Wow, that's crazy. Even people in Vietnam, they recognize you. Yeah, I mean the far uh, expats do, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. that's yeah. excellent. Wow. Um, I forgot you made some good points there. Um, yeah, I was curious about the masks. Are they, do they do the same? Cause I'm, I'm in Illinois and yep. they say it's required and they have like the little things on the, the doors and whatnot. Um, I literally like just two hours ago, I had on this, this gentleman, Jeff Weitzman, and he's a documentary filmmaker and he's been, he, he's on Instagram and he had a couple videos where he went into this store called Sprouts and, uh, he went in one time, he wasn't wearing a mask. They asked him to leave and he had cash. He's like, here, I'm just buying this. I, here you go. Here's the transaction. We transacted. The cops were called. He was arrested. Chop, charges were dropped within two weeks. And then he's been learning more. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of Peggy Hall, but she's part of the healthyamerican.org. And she's she's really, she's from California. She's really big into the laws and, and all the statutes. And she's, there's, they have no no right to do any of this stuff, no authority to do any of these things, these mandates. So he actually came and went back into sprouts after the charges were dropped and he had a lot more documents, a lot more documentation, very calm. And he didn't even really have to show anything. They just kind of left him alone because they knew the charges were dropped. They knew that he couldn't really do anything to stop him. So it's, it was a very, for me, it was a very powerful interview that I just did. And uh, a lot of good information, a lot of good, uh, resources he actually gave me a lot of a couple pdfs and stuff but uh what have you are they doing a lot of mass stuff at, at in your neck of the woods and do they really enforce it uh what because i know last american vagabond completely dismantled the whole masks with oh, the great yeah. mass deception and then the do they cause bacterial pneumonia and those yeah. two were just in- incredible uh yeah, so well and i mean by incredible ryan ryan was reading from government documents and health officials sources you know what i mean like official sources you know that's that's the the age we're living in unfortunately and you know he he's banned from youtube and patreon because of that now you know that's freaking crazy um i mean living living in an asian country masks aren't a real new um new phenomenon um as most people may know vietnam is the land of a billion motorbikes um there's for every one car, there's about ten thousand motorbikes here, <laughs> um, and a lot of and a lot of people will will wear masks when they're riding a motorbike so they don't get dirt or whatever on their face. And you know, I would say there's been an increase in in that. But I mean, in restaurants, pubs, cafes, um, in, in public in general, no. I mean, some people do. Yeah, there's been a small increase in it, but the vast majority don't wear masks. You know, um, it's only the the only places mandated here are in uh, doctor surgeries and, and we have one big supermarket here and in there for some reason. So yeah, that's the only mask mandates that are still there, but I don't think they're even really being enforced anymore. Good. That's excellent. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's good that you don't even have to really worry about that at all. It's very good to, to hear. I've never, no, I mean, I've never been harassed or I've never been told to put a mask on anywhere I go. Um, so that's nice. I nice. Hope. Yeah. I feel- I feel for you guys in the States, man, seeing and hearing some of the stories, man. It's just, my God. Yeah. I, I finally experienced one of those people. Um, just last week I was at a Walgreens with my friend Lindsay and yeah, she, we walked, we kind of traded, we kind of swapped paths in the aisle and she's like, Oh, I thought you're supposed to wear masks here. I was like, Oh, medical condition. She's like, Oh yeah, I'm sure. And yeah. I was like, and I, I was waiting, I've been waiting for this. So like, I was, I was happy. I was, I was kind of excited. So I wasn't upset or like angry or defensive or anything. I was just telling her like, masks don't work. There's, there's, 
it's not, it can't stop a virus. It's, and I, I listed off a couple of things, but she's like, oh, are you medical? Do you have a degree or, and she was like, I think, I think you're supposed to have one on here. I think it's, re- uh, it's required or mandated. And yeah, so she kind of left and I don't even know where she went. And then we were checking out and then she was waiting for us to finish paying. And then she's pointing to the sign, like the, like the little stand up sign that they, that they have. And like, oh, see, it says that you have to wear a mask. You have to wear a mask. Well, why aren't you telling them to put one on or whatever? You're, you're not supposed to be in here. And then I'm walking out. I'm just like, take vitamin D, vitamin C. It's like, mind your own business. I'm like, oh, yeah, I told him, like, you got a mask on. Aren't you okay? Like, what do you have to worry about? <laughs> Doesn't. Do you, know, do you know why the cashier or whoever it was wasn't enforcing the mask mandate? Because they don't believe it themselves. <laughs> they know it's all BS, mate. Yeah. You know, they, just, they just have to do it to keep their jobby job, I guess. And I understand that completely. You know, we all have to do what we have to do to earn a quid. But, um, yeah, there's. Our, our acquiescence acquiescence to wearing to, to just blindly wearing these masks I think is slowly fading it shouldn't have gotten to where it even got at all but it did but I mean I still don't know I'm an I'm eternal optimist I think that there's there is a silent majority out there who know this is bullshit who are just coming along to get along sorry for the swears um, <laughs> who are just get, but who, who know who know this is all crap and once once you resist, once you take it off, man, it's good. There's more of us. The more of us, we, we need everyone on the, on the, I hate to use that analogy, but on the front lines, you know what I mean, to, to resist this because it's, it's coming, man, and tyranny is coming in many different forms and quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and last year when this whole thing started, I, I, at that point I, w- I took a little hiatus from learning. I was kind of like burnt out from stuff and yeah. going from an Arkadelphia that – anarchist conference and then coming back to illinois i was really just i lacked motivation because of the people that i was around and my family and just just my environment and so i didn't do any learning so when this kind of stuff came about i didn't really know anything about it and i didn't uh know the the bs behind it so i was wearing a mask at at the time but i was like i'm not gonna take a vaccine like that's my line in the sand but then it, it turns out that my my company now foods they created like a little video short that said oh we're gonna do temperature checks now because we had a case of covid at one of our other facilities. So I saw the video. I was just like, I ain't doing this. No, this is my line in the sand. I'm not doing this temperature check, rolling down my window to like my forehead so they can scan my head. It's before I can even walk in the building, blow it out your ass. So I ended up quitting or I didn't quit. I I refused it. And they said, they're going to call me back. They ended up not calling me back. And they just said, I was a no call, no show. So they thought they assumed I quit, which wasn't the case. They just lied. Uh, Cause it's all brand new territory. So for me, like I, I, I left that. I didn't have a job for a couple months, found another one. Then after a month or two, they did mandates. So I was like, Nope, I'm out of here. And then I didn't have a job for a while. I, I, now I'm doing like pizza delivery and now I'm about to start landscaping. But and when, with the pizza stuff, I basically don't wear it whatsoever. I never have it above my, my mouth. Uh, and it, it really sucks. I don't want to wear it at all. And I basically avoid it at all costs when I'm there. It's very rare. It's like 5% of the time, but that's like I know a lot of people are or have that financial coercion to to kind of like they have to like stay in their job because they have a family and they have kids but that's that's what they want they want they have you by the balls like with the stimulus checks I didn't even use those I gave them one to my sister gave one to my mom and then I gave one to my my brother and it's like I I didn't even use it personally even though I could use it 100% so it's it's just really tough out there and it's it's really unfortunate that some people that like you said, like they don't want to wear the mask either. They don't, they probably don't support it. They're probably dying to take it off when they get off work and it just stinks that there's, they're still doing it. And that's why at the very least us going into those stores, because at least luckily you don't have to deal with it 
which is awesome. That's a, that's a blessing. But uh, people in the, like, in the United States or Australia, just if we can tr- try our best, like know what the laws are, try to figure that out and have more yep. information, be tactful, be uh, calm, be collected and go into those places, understand what your rights are, understand they don't have any sort of legitimacy and authority to really tell you to do anything. And we got to do this because we're going to inspire other people to, because no one knows that this is an option unless they see other people doing it. I didn't know yep. it was an option. I ref- I wasn't going into stores for months. I was having my brother or whoever shop for me if they were able to do so. I wasn't yeah. doing it. And then I realized, yeah. oh, you can go in there. I've gone into Jewels. I've gone into Walmarts. I've gone into a few other places without a problem. Hey, I'm a, uh, I have a medical condition. There's, It could get a lot worse. It could, the cops could be called or whatever else, but that's where a lot more information can come in and it's, it can yeah. definitely help you out. It, you know, it, that reminds me of just uh, last week, the latest episode of uh, Solutions Watch, Flash Mobs. You know, if you if, if you don't feel comfortable being the only one not wearing a mask in a store, join one of these, organize one of these flash mobs or join one of these flash mobs, man. You know, they're not going to, maybe they come and arrest you all, but I doubt it. You know what I mean? And as you, as you saw in some of those videos, it instantly inspires other people. They realize, you know, the the sheep are sort of, are sort of snapping out of the conditioning a little bit, even just for a moment, even just for a moment, you know? Yeah. And like, um, I, like I said, even for me, like I thought there was no other option and I had a lot more information than the people that are unaware completely. So if once they, they visually see it and they see that nothing's happening, they're not stopping you from doing it. They're like, Oh, okay. Maybe next time I'll come in and maybe yeah. have it down a little bit further and then tr- test that out and then maybe take it off completely. And I know I'm, I'm so glad James is doing the solution stuff. It's really very important. Yeah. And, and like yes. he, he makes the great point. Like we've, he's talked at length at nauseum about all the problems, all the ins and outs. So it's time to really shift that and get this kind of this car moving. And it's excellent. It's really inspiring, yeah. especially the greater reset and all those things. It's, it's I mean, yeah, great. you were, you were speaking of, you asked me the question about burnout before. I mean, if you want to get burnt out, man, talk about, talk about, you know, I mean, James had the propaganda watch series and honestly he got burnt out. Of, of following the MSM's tail and chasing it all the time. It's like there is a point to understanding propaganda and learning it, but right now in this absolutely critical time of humanity, we, we need solutions and we need them fast. And James is not the he's not a he's not the only one out there providing solutions. He's just offering a few ones that he thinks are worth looking into. Um, but there's you know there's heaps of heaps of heaps of people out there providing great solutions like Derek Rose, you know, and the Freedom Soul Network. Absolutely freaking brilliant idea, man. Like that's that's the kind of stuff we need more of. Yeah. And and, and I've had I haven't like I'm trying to get some like a group together. I'm trying to message some people that are on freedom cells that are in my local area, but it's 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 I haven't really gotten any responses from anybody. Yeah. I I have met someone that was in Wisconsin, but it's it's and they're pretty well prepped, but it's it's very hard to try to find that are people that are pretty much on that same wavelength and have that same passion and that same drive and are really that committed to it as well. So, and that's what we need is they have that community. So it is really difficult at this time for me, at least in my area. Yeah. Yeah, man. (laughs) Strange times indeed, buddy. Yeah. And uh, so I just wanted you to, I just wanted to see if you had any sort of like upcoming videos or anything, any big projects that you're working on. And I really appreciate you coming on. If you want to just let people know where they can find you, where they can contact you, if they want to send you some words of encouragement or anything like that. Sure. Um, There's always some big projects coming on uh, when you work for James Corbett. Um, I am, I am not allowed to uh, divulge such information at this point because it's all, you know, not not ready to not ready for the public eye yet, but 
everyone knows his work ethic and how much how much work um, he puts out, and then in turn I put out um, indirectly. Um, so yeah, always stay tuned to Call Report, and there's, there's always something coming out there. Um, if people want to get in contact with me directly, I am still, unfortunately, much like Media Monarchy is doing, also though slowly weaning myself off Twitter. I still feel it has some kind of purpose, but I really don't know what that is anymore. I don't even know why I'm there. But if you want to contact me on there, it's just at Brock West, B-R-O-C-W-E-S-T. And um, if you message me there and then I can, I can provide an email address if you want to do more correspondence. However, I will say I am kept extremely busy, so I don't have all the time in the world to respond to everyone. Um, but I do appreciate any words of encouragement and I'll respond to that, of course. Whether, but um, yeah, I mean, thanks for having me on, Nick. It's uh, been great to talk with you, buddy. And um, man, I, you know, I don't envy you starting a, starting fresh in a new podcast and in a new in this kind of age. I think, you know, that's these are really really difficult waters to kind of to get up and up and up with. But man, keep doing this, and I'm sure it'll work out for you, buddy. Yeah, okay. yeah. Thank you so much. Because yeah, yeah. Because I started like two years ago, and uh, yeah, yeah, I was really late to the game. <laughs> That's okay, man. You got to you got to start somewhere, and like and like we spoke about in this conversation, you know, learn by doing, and you get better, and that's it, man. Yeah, that's a very yeah. good point. And, and I uh, just want to. Oh, I always just want to finish on this point. I, again, I want to thank everyone out there who literally makes James's work possible, and then in turn my work possible, and all the guys and everyone out in the alternative media who are supported by the public and by people who actually care about this information and actually care about what's going on in the world. It, I can't thank you all enough out there. Um, I mean, as I hope I've, I've explained tonight, you guys on a very, very personal level changed my life immeasurably because of your support of people like Corbett and, and everyone else out there. So thank you again, everyone, for that support. It's un, it's invaluable. Yeah, uh, totally. And and I'll, I'll repeat it right now. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing, Brock. Seriously, you're doing an excellent job. Very, very much admire your work. Definitely maybe because uh, I haven't been able to do a lot of editing recently, but it just really puts a spark inside me to really just try to keep going and keep learning and keep improving. It's just, it's really inspiring. And I really appreciate everything you're doing. I'm glad that you're continuing to do so. I'm glad that you're, congratulations on the marriage and the child. Good for you. Thank That's you. excellent. I'm glad you're in a place where it's not, wrapping around you this whole new world order so it's at, great at to least see not, at least not yet but yeah. yeah all right but yeah just god bless you and and stay strong and just thanks again i really appreciate it and thank you everyone for, that's watching and jade finn thank you for for commenting and being a part of this uh live stream it really means a lot to me so god bless you everyone take care